Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, y'all. Ryan Sprague here. As you all know, the Somewhere in the Skies podcast is always free to consume, but it isn't free to create. That's why I've started the Somewhere in the Skies Patreon campaign. On a monthly basis, you give what you think the show is worth. You'll be helping the show continue, grow, and to be something truly communal. And remember, there are rewards for each level of contribution, and the list is only growing. So please, help Somewhere in the Skies now by becoming a patron. To contribute and to learn more, visit www.patreon.com backslash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support. And now, on with the show. This week on the show, Bryce Johnson and Ronnie LeBlanc talking all about their new television series on the Travel Channel, Expedition Bigfoot. We didn't expect to find what we found, you know, and, and I mean, you know, you sort of you sort of want that as you set out on on an expedition like this, but but man, did we get lucky. The experience was magical, but it was something that we had hoped we were going to get some evidence, something that we're going to come out of here and feel like this wasn't a failure. You know, this was we made some kind of significant contribution to the search. And I am proud and happy to say that we did have some things that we just did not expect that were just freaking awesome. And I can't wait to share it with the world, really. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. I am here with Ronnie LeBlanc and Bryce Johnson, two of the members of the expedition team sent out to bring Bigfoot lore into the world of reality with some new methods, technology, but most importantly, evidence. They are doing so on a new television series, Expedition Bigfoot, premiering Sunday, December 8th on the Travel Channel. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today on Somewhere in the Skies. Thank you, Ryan. Awesome. Yeah, our pleasure. I could not wait to do this. When I saw that you guys were working together, we were talking a little about this off air. Uh, I know you both from two separate worlds and to see those worlds colliding, uh, it's just so exciting. <laughs> and to see it under a project like this, like I, I really feel they chose the right people for this and this was meant to happen. Oh, thanks, man. First off, before we get to the real reason that you guys are here, I would love to hear Sort of both of your origin stories. Bryce, I know I've done this a little with you in the past, in past interviews, but how you got involved or interested in specifically Bigfoot. So Bryce, why don't we start with you, man? Yeah. So I've been, I've been sort of, uh, obsessed with, I guess, I guess you could file Bigfoot under the, 
the world of uh, the paranormal. I consider anything sort of that's unsolved or mysterious the the world of the paranormal. So I've been obsessed with Bigfoot ever since I was a kid. And then when I saw that In Search of episode uh, with Leonard Nimoy, I think it was a rerun because I'm not I'm not that old when it originally aired, or I might be, but uh, it was that one when I saw them uh, <laughs> redo the uh, the Patterson Gimlin footage that. Mm. Just I just felt in my in my gut and my heart of hearts that uh, that that was definitely not a person in a suit and that I was looking at this creature that wasn't supposed to exist walking across the sandbar. And that really sort of, you know, crystallized my my passion for for the world of Bigfoot. And uh, and I've just been obsessed with it ever, ever since then. And I was lucky enough to star in a. Uh, in a found footage Bigfoot movie directed and written by Bobcat Goldthwait. And then, uh, and then, you know, two years ago, I started a podcast with one of my great friends, Michael McMillan, uh, called the Bigfoot Collectors Club, um, where we discuss, uh, stories of high strangeness with celebrity guests. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's just, this has been a topic I've been, you know, having a, a great time exploring. And I feel like the ball is actually moving forward in the in the world of Bigfoot, uh, I know that's crazy to say. I feel like, like it's it's such well trodden ground, but but uh, you know, with this new show Expedition Bigfoot, one of the things I'm so pleased with is I truly feel that we we are actually moving the ball forward. Yeah, and I know there's some really interesting methods and approaches you guys took with the show, and I can't wait to talk about those. Um, but before we do that, Ronnie. What's what do you got for us, man? What's your origin story? Yeah, for uh, for me, uh, similar. I was um, young. I was really into animals <clears throat> and knew all the animals in North America. And I had walked by a book in the library called Mysterious America by Lauren Coleman, and it piqued my interest because I saw you know things about Bigfoot and Sasquatch and these creatures that. Uh, weren't supposed to exist or haven't been discovered yet. And so that got me kind of down the road to start reading and devouring all types of books. Uh, this is before YouTube, you know, so it was, I think, a couple of years later after that, where I had an experience in woods near my house in Lemister State Forest in a section of woods on my way to an area called Monsterland. And I encountered something that was, for a better lack of a term, invisible that was in front of me that uh, stomped through the woods and, and pushed everything out of its way like a moose, the size of a Whoa. moose, but there's nothing there to see. Okay. And uh, I took off, you know, pedaling. I was by myself. I was on my bike. I was on these trails, and I never made it to meet up with friends. I, I pedaled back home trying to figure out what, what this was. And, you know, years later, more stories would be kind of uncovered in this area, and it really kind of got me into digging more into it. And, uh, yeah, I just got kind of bitten by the bug, but I never considered that a Bigfoot. You know, I, I never considered what I experienced. I, I considered it to be something known that I just maybe, I, for whatever reason, I couldn't see it. I, I, didn't, I couldn't understand it, but I didn't equate it to a Bigfoot until years later after hearing similar stories like this across the country. Interesting. I completely understand uh, that way of thinking. Ronnie, I had a UFO sighting as a kid that I now attribute to definitely something military or, uh, you know, experimental, but that didn't change the fact that it completely 
changed the path of my life. I mean, it's up yeah. to search for answers to something, even though that something I'm searching for might not have been what I had seen. So I totally mm. get what you're saying with that, man. Um, and I know eventually you wrote a book called Monsterland, uh, one of the best titles ever, by the way. Um, oh, thanks, brother. Yeah. Could you tell us a little about what compelled you to write the book and the tie-in sure. with craft beer? This is really interesting. Yeah. yeah, give us that story if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, so the kind of the idea with Monsterland was, you know, it was an area that I used to hang out. People used to go high school, kids go and party, keg parties, bonfires. It was a lover's lane type place. But people were seeing UFOs, strange balls of light, shadow figures, Bigfoot type creatures, and all this stuff that you would find in other hotspots around the country. So you know, unbeknownst to me, I didn't really understand how the place got its name. And I found out it was because people were seeing Bigfoot type creatures back in the 1880s. They dubbed it in the 50s after some guy had seen one by the side of the road and reportedly disappeared. But prior to that, the old timers said, you know, do you know what we used to call this area before that? And I said, no. And they said, this used to be called the UFO landing area. Mm-hmm. And uh, Betty Andreessen had her first experience here uh, in 1944. She was seven years old. She was a famous UFO abductee. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of strangeness here that I started looking into the history, uh, not only with UFOs, but Bigfoot and these strange orange orbs and the connection between all three, that there is some kind of connection. They're either coming from the same place or there's something to do with the geology of the area. So I kind of explore that along with the Native American myths and lore. Uh, that kind of tie in what Bigfoot could be. And, you know, some of those theories are that they are interdimensional in nature, that they are, um, you know, some kind of alien, some kind of, you know, cryptid. So there's a, there's a gamut of, of theories out there what these things could be. Right. Yeah. And I definitely want to touch on that later with you guys, your personal thoughts on, uh, not only what you went out to discover, but what, what you actually think these things, these phenomena are represent overall right. but um yeah tell us a little about this tie-in with craft beer sure <laughs> i'm a so, huge craft beer nerd awesome so i mean i am i went to film school film and television school out in california and i've always had a, a kind of interest in marketing and, and advertising so i looked at you know when i had the book out okay how am i going to market this how am i going to get the some awareness around the subject and, and get people outside of this paranormal circle so to speak and so one of those kind of tie-ins is that when you're having a couple of beers with friends, you start sharing stories, you start talking about different things. And I had a connection with Wachusett Brewing Company, which is like huge, one of the top 50 brewing companies in the country. My wife was running their brew yard there. I had become friends with the ownership and the president and just kind of pitched my idea that, oh, man, I would love to see, um, you know, a pint glass with the Monsterland eyes, like my book cover and have a, you know, like a, a stout or a IPA type beer. When you fill it up, it looks like the book cover and tie in that whole thing. And, uh, they made it a reality. They made it a uh, hard cider using apples from Lemonster, my hometown where Monsterland resides, which is the, the birthplace of Johnny Appleseed. So there's a lot of cool, like ties in, tie ins. And we did a, a, a neat, marketing collaboration and then i just did something recently with another um upcoming brewery called bull spit brewing company which is a uh, a farm that they're um they have launched this brewing company and i came up with the idea of creating sasquatch spit which is like <laughs> a, a black ipa 
And uh, me and Maddie Blake from uh, Christopher Island uh, History Channel did a little commercial uh, thing that I came up with, and we went and shot it for a day, and just did some fun stuff on social media, and, and tied in our podcast, which is of the same name, Monsterland, and similar to Bryce, we're, we're talking about different stories that are, you know, Bigfoot UFOs. So we have different authors and researchers on, as well as people that have had had experiences in Monsterland, in around New England, that would come on and share their experiences. See, that's awesome. I love when you can tie in these topics to like other yeah. passions in life. You know, for me, there's a bunch of beers that I like to get, you know, UFO related. So I know that feeling well. That's um, great. <laughs> Bryce, I want to ask you, you know, having shot the film with Bobcat, you got to go to the actual location where the video was shot, the inf not infamous, the famous video. So what was that experience like? going to the actual place. I mean, for me, it was like stepping ground on the Roswell crash site. So how was that experience before we get to Expedition Bigfoot? Yeah, absolutely. It really is like the same sort of feeling I know that you got when you did your Roswell special. I mean, you're kind of stepping on sacred ground. Willow Creek is uh, that that small town in Northern California is is the gateway uh, to what they call Bigfoot country. And uh, it's really there that that this whole lore sort of began and took off at lightning speed. So yeah, we were we filmed that right at the epicenter of uh, of where Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin shot that that famous footage. So you felt like you know that you were in in the exact area. I know filming on one of the locations, I got this this strange feeling, and it was a small crew. I mean, there's really only like you know five of us, mm -hmm. and. Uh, Bob, Cat, Alexi, and I headed down to this uh, one location. We're in the film. We're sort of um, we get out of our out of our truck and start uh, trekking into uh, into what would be the uh, the Bluff Creek zone, and uh, and we're down there in the you know right near the exit path to to actually do that to get to Bluff Creek. And and I remember just sort of the woods got really silent, and uh, and I don't get scared too e easily, but I just I had the feeling of being observed. And uh, and it was just it was an incredibly sort of eerie feeling. And I, <laughs> I I remember I remember telling Bobcat, I was like, all right, let's hurry this up. I want to get out of here. You know, <laughs> I felt so I felt so kind of scared, for lack of a better word. I just I remember, you know, um, so being there at uh, at Willow Creek and, and shooting that movie, it was uh, it all added to that. Um, to the intensity of the film, especially leading up to that tent scene. I mean, oh, you know, God, so that, yeah. that fear was that fear was really easy to tap into because because you're you're right there where where you know these creatures are known to exist. Right, man, and the fact that you're filming a found footage movie, quote unquote, and then uh, maybe Bigfoot isn't going to be too happy about that and actually show up. You never know. No, absolutely. And a lot, we, we wanted that, that feel of authenticity. I mean, you know, when we're talking to Steven Stroyford, he's the owner of Bigfoot Books. He's right there in Willow Creek. He runs that small bookstore and he's the, you know, the local hermit, the local, uh, you know, expert on all things Bigfoot. And so that interview is, uh, as real as it gets. I gotta ask guys, um, both personally, could you maybe run us through how the opportunity came about for both of you with this project uh Bryce let's start with you yeah sure so I got a call from a good buddy of mine his name is Tim Healy and he runs uh rail splitter pictures and uh they're the production company that produced this and 
you know, he was a uh, he was a producer on a show I did for MTV called Death Valley. So we had worked together. We had known each other. And he called me and he, you know, he, he knew I did that film Willow Creek and he knew I had the Bigfoot uh, podcast. And basically he just said, you know, a company has approached us looking to get into the Bigfoot space. I want to know if I can, you know, throw your name into the ring. And I basically was just like, absolutely, that would be that would be amazing. And uh, as time went on, as the, the idea got developed a little further, you know, we got a green light from the company that would be Travel Channel. And so, you know, basically they greenlit eight one-hour episodes and we were off and running. And then it was time to uh, establish uh, who else was going to be on the team. And we wanted uh, – we really wanted the the best of the best. And we wanted, uh, you know, to bring boots-on-the-ground experts as well as um, scientists. And uh, and so that's how we started going about putting together this uh, this crack team. I love it. Ronnie, how about you, man? How did you get involved? Yeah, you know, as um, the expedition was starting to heat up, they had a need of bringing some more boots on the ground, like Bryce said. So I got a phone call randomly. It was, a, I think, a Wednesday explaining the situation, what was going on, which I was blown away that this was even happening and that, you know, I get this call, hey, would you be interested in, in doing this? We can kind of use your kind of expertise from your kind of school of thought, like where you come from and explain the, you know, the algorithm, all this. And, and within 48 hours, I was on the plane heading there kind of going, what, what am I, you know, where am I going right now? This is unbelievable. <laughs> like pinching myself the whole way. And the experience was just, uh, and the, I would just say it was it was magical in the sense of what we were able to uncover, but then the team that was assembled and how we were able to just work together and click and we're super tight today um, from this experience uh, was just amazing. Yeah, and Bryce, I know you and I uh, have experience with these things too. They happen out of nowhere, and you have very little time to really discuss, think, and just kind of act on impulse. I mean, when you're given the opportunity to go look for Bigfoot, you're gonna look for Bigfoot. It was the same for me with Roswell. I don't care if no nothing new came in the last 40 years. I wanted to go out there and investigate, so I, I know that passion and hunger to... um when when these opportunities come, take them, please, please take them. And clearly the formula for Ronnie, Bryce, and me, guys, if you want to be on a television show, start a podcast, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's so true. This, uh, you know, like you said, Ryan, these opportunities are far and few between. And when they do come, I mean, guys like us, you just, you really just jump at the opportunity. But I've noticed a strange thing, too. I mean, we often talk about, and I'm sure you guys would agree, you know, when you sort of look into the phenomenon, as I like to call it, it sort of like looks back at you and, and you start to experience yes. these, these strange synchronicities. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're for the bad and sometimes they're for the good. But it, it's it's had a strange way of manifesting these passions in our life. I, I, I was talking to uh, Michael McMillan, uh, my co-host on Bigfoot Collectors Club, and I was just like, it's so strange to think how I've, how I've gotten here and that I'm about to be premiering on a, on a Bigfoot expedition show on the Travel Channel. I mean, like, I couldn't have, I couldn't have imagined a more <laughs> exciting, uh, adventurous thing to partake in. And it, and it seemed to all just sort of manifest from, from my passion for this subject. And, uh, 
and it's it's weird how these these synchronicities come together oh absolutely and i mean i'm sure the passion shows in the expedition that you guys do and you have two other crew members out there with you so i i'd love if we could hear about the other two people that are involved with this would you guys mind tackling that for us yeah i'll talk i'll talk about Murray and then uh ronnie can introduce uh uh russell Perfect. and uh yeah so we really wanted to have uh a scientist on board and not just any scientist but uh you know someone who had an expertise in in primates because at the end of the day that's what we might just be looking for is a uh is an undiscovered species of primate so um when we got a hold of uh Dr. Maria Mayer it was a uh <laughs> i mean it was it was a no-brainer she's she's a fulbright scholar she uh they call her the female Indiana Jones, if that gives you any idea. So she's not she's not afraid to get uh, to get into the woods where no one else would go. Not only that, her expertise in primatology and anthropology is is bar none at the top of the game. I mean, she's even discovered the world's smallest primate, which just happens to be nocturnal. And uh, so, if anybody knows this world of uh, of of hearing these sort of stories from the indigenous tribes of these mysterious, possibly mythological creatures, and then going out into the woods and actually discovering them, it would be her. And uh, so she was uh, she was a, a an absolute boon to uh, to our team. Ronnie, yeah, and could you tell us about the other team member? Yeah, uh, Russ Acord is. Um, I guess if you had to describe this guy in one word, I would say Rambo. And I, I, I swear, I mean, he is, um, so he's ex-military, 16-year veteran, and he is a survivalist. He just, he's elk hunter. He's been hunting his whole life. He's been born and raised in the, you know, the mountains of Montana. This guy was um, just amazing to work with, uh, not only with his expertise and stuff that he's kind of dealt with throughout the years, uh, but what he's here for. You know, he... Um, he was joining this. He wants to have a face-to-face encounter. We all want to have that uh, that definitive sighting, that experience, that encounter where you go, yes, I, I, I saw one. And I think we all want to be that person that's either a part of a team or that individually is able to say, hey, look, I found conclusive evidence that Sasquatch Bigfoot exists. And that's something that all of us really have that capability now with HD cameras in our hands. You know, they're, they're all over the country. They're not just um, focused in the Pacific Northwest. However, with someone like Russ, where you can kind of he understands the terrain, he understands how animal life is going to kind of uh, work, game trails, all that. And so you bring all this different expertise together was just incredible where we can kind of collaborate and share on, you know, we're all learning from one another. But I think collectively having that is just was unbelievable. Oh, totally. I mean, when you when you can learn from the other members of your team, I mean, that that's all you can really ask for. For me, it was working with a, a hard-lined skeptic, and that was extremely refreshing for me when, you know, I live in a world of believers day to day. Uh, it, it's good to be challenged, and I think that's what's most important about these things is to to stay grounded, to have someone who knows how primates work, where they would be, how they would hide, where they would track, and how to essentially find them is extremely essential when doing something like this. But not only that, you guys, from what I'm gathering, 
from the first episode, you're entering a whole new world of investigating Bigfoot in terms of modern day science and technology. So I was wondering, maybe, could you give us some ideas, Bryce, first, maybe, of um, what you'll be doing in the show in terms of using new tech and new approaches to looking for Bigfoot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing that sets us apart from literally any other Bigfoot expedition that's been done in the past is uh, is is a data algorithm that we use to sort of pinpoint the place where we were going to um, bed down for three weeks and, and you know, look for uh, evidence of Bigfoot. And, and what that means is usually what's been done in the past is somebody will have a Bigfoot sighting or um, they'll find a trackway and researchers will head out to that location and sort of look at the evidence after the fact. You know, they'll examine the trackways, they'll talk to witnesses, and they really will only spend a, a, a couple days there but you know that Bigfoot has already left the area. And, uh, you know, what we really wanted to do was say, OK, let's let's look at this from a whole new light. Let's do something nobody's ever done before. And let's try and get to the place and the time that Bigfoot would be before Bigfoot gets there. So we really, you know, our idea was let's not go to a place after the fact, uh, but let's get to this hot zone before the fact. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say, I'm disturbed. Welcome to Hysteria 51. A weekly oddcast of mysteries, conspiracies, the unusual, and the unexplained. Do we have a laser thermometer to figure out if Admiral Byrd is here? I'm pointing the laser at the wall now. 71.1. 71.2. Admiral Byrd is here. With John, Brent, and Conspiracy Bot. You're all idiots. Yeah. Join them each week as they clarify conspiracies. I'm a Stuart Swerdlow, I promise. I am human and I do human things. <laughs> Explore enigmas. It's all about ley lines and you'd understand that if I could explain it to you. And probe the paranormal. Hysteria 51 is a hilarious expedition into the eccentric. Stop on my joke. I Thank will when you. they're good. Tune in each week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, the truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Stay woke, meet sex. 
And so what we did was not to give too much away about how we use this algorithm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll explain it in the show, but what we just tried to do was eliminate these certain parameters. And, uh, and we actually hired a data analyst to, uh, to create this software thing that would, uh, give us the time and place to set up our expedition. And, and it, the place that just kind of jumped out off the screen was, uh, was central Oregon, this sort of this certain plot in central Oregon that just sort of screamed, this is the time to look for Bigfoot. And this is the place to look for Bigfoot. So it gave us a window of opportunity. And once we sort of discovered that it, it, it started to get very real and, and exciting, you know, it felt like this could actually work. And I mean, a lot of us think of the Pacific Northwest when we think of Sasquatch or Bigfoot. And so for a lot of people, that's probably like a given. But the fact that people don't realize how big these forested areas are. So the fact that you were able to triangulate a certain specific area uh, is astounding to me. And I can't say that I've ever heard of an expedition like this where you're trying to get there before it happens. It's the same in the UFO world. Once the UFO is reported, it's gone in the blink of an eye. So what is there to really investigate? You know, we're lucky to get any sort of trace evidence. Uh, we're often just left with witness testimony. But we have something similar in the UFO world of a woman named Cheryl Costa who has done data and statistics for every UFO sighting in the United States down to the county of how many of these things have happened. So if we can take an example of what you guys are doing and crunch those numbers and try to get to a hotbed before something happens, I can only imagine how much more evidence we could find. So that's extremely yeah. exciting for me to hear about well, what you guys are doing. That it was uh, The amount of time that we were going to spend there was was a huge factor as well. Oftentimes, if, you, if you're familiar with sort of uh, Bigfoot lore and mythology, you know, these people that have that report these Bigfoot creatures sort of coming up to their backyard and eating the apples. Um, it's something known as what's called a habituation. In other words, these Bigfoots become so familiar and so comfortable with a certain resident or a certain um, cabin out in the woods that they feel more comfortable sort of letting their presence known. So being out there for, you know, in these woods for three weeks at a time and not going anywhere, but concentrating on that specific area, the idea was that it was a sort of like a mini habituation. Look, we knew that once we were in the area, if there were Bigfoot creatures in that area, that they would know we're there. They would be aware of our presence. And hopefully, they would become very interested in what we were doing. And and by doing so, sort of allow themselves or allow themselves to uh, to make their presence known, mm. uh, which they almost, well, not to give anything away, but which they certainly did. Ronnie, is there anything else you can think of during this expedition uh, that really sets this apart from other Bigfoot investigations? I, I think, um, you know, the straight up having someone like Dr. Morea, who's willing to step out of academia, step out of science in, in a sort of way to get into this subject and bring her expertise, bring her, her mind, her, that, that rational mind that's looking for the facts, that's looking for certain things. And to see that in action was amazing. But then to also have all of us experience some of the strangeness that comes with, with Sasquatch firsthand. And viewers are going to experience some of this stuff and it's going to scratch people's heads. 
and I think the 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 amazing physical things too we're able to bring to the table are gonna uh, I think create some serious conversation on on a global scale about the subject matter. Well, I mean, a big part of this, guys, when dealing with the the paranormal, the unknown, the uh, capital P phenomena, as it were, uh, is the skeptics. They're, they're essential to the work we do. So I got to ask you both, out for the skeptics out there who don't really buy into Bigfoot stories uh, or any of the evidence even brought forward in the past, do you think your expedition will change or, or maybe at least even open the minds of the skeptics out there? Bryce, what do you think? Well, you know as well as I do, skeptics are just as passionate as we are. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but look, you know, if, I will say this, you know, Dr. Mayer considered herself sort of an agnostic skeptic. And, and what I think she meant by that was, look, I'm, I'm skeptical of an undiscovered, you know, nine foot tall, 1200 pound primate living in North America, but I'm more than willing to look at any evidence that you guys can bring forward or that I can garner on this expedition. And I'll say this, at the end of the expedition, she was like, Bryce, I don't know what I think anymore. You know, so she she had definitely made um, a, a complete 180, you know, and so did some of her well-credentialed colleagues. Hey, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, I mean, that was huge. What do you think, Ronnie? What do, what do you think the skeptics will take away from this project? You know, I think that they're going to take a second look. I think um, people always talk about, you know, I have to see it to believe it. And they're going to be able to see something that's going to help them to believe it because of what this expedition was able to uncover. But I think it's just going to, I think, you know, just what you're seeing, right, with UFOs, where Navy confirms UFOs are real. I, I see that same kind of paradigm shift happening with Bigfoot, happening with Sasquatch, where more and more people are going to kind of pay attention to this. And I think we're really kind of helping to kind of bring that charge forward with the show. That's awesome. Well, sort of stepping away from, you know, the show specifically, I'd love to put you guys on the spot here and get your personal thoughts on what Bigfoot could be. You know, we have so many people claiming all different things. It's the missing link. It's wild man. It's interdimensional. It's an alien. It's a ghost. Like the possibilities are endless. You know, why haven't we ever found a body or anything like that? So Bryce, what, what do you think Bigfoot is or, or possibly could represent, I guess, in a broader picture? Yeah, that's a, that's a big and tough question because look, it's, it is. When we don't have uh, a Bigfoot body on the lab table, then speculation runs wild. And that's why you have so many different theories as to what Bigfoot could be. For me, Bigfoot represents a, a flesh and blood creature that leaves physical evidence, eats to survive, uh, habitates in the woods. And on the other side of that coin, it also represents uh, what I like to call the stranger aspects of Bigfootery. And what, and, and what I mean by that is, even though it does seem to exist in this physical world, leaving footprints and hair and, uh, and nests and things of this nature, it, it, it also, when you talk to some of these witnesses and hear their stories and their accounts of these firsthand sightings, they claim some pretty wild things that don't go along with the uh you know the opaque explanation of what bigfoot is i mean some witnesses literally explain seeing these things dematerialize uh some witnesses explain uh these shape-shifting aspects of bigfoot um 
You know, so I, I've never been one to call these witnesses, you know, when I hear their testimony, liars or hoaxers or they're they're just delusional. So I have to take what they're saying in, into account. You know, I'm sure you guys get it in, in ufology too. And I, and I know it happens in the world of Bigfoot. So many people discount evidence. If it sounds too crazy, they shove it in what's called like their little gray box and then they don't want to deal with it. You know, yep. they only want to deal with the evidence that, that they like and that fits their hypothesis. Well, you can't do that. That's not science, you know. In fact, one of the things I love to do while researching a story is find those details that people so often leave out that sound too crazy to be true because therein you're going to find the pattern that could help make sense of of what this is that we're dealing with, you know? So you can't just cherry pick the data. You have to look at look at the strangeness of Bigfoot. You have to look at the strangeness of ufology. So when, you know, Joe Fifington experiences a UFO that comes down and makes the guy a pancake and then leaves on his UFO again, you have to talk about that totally. because that actually happened, you know? And as strange as it is, that's what this phenomenon is. I, I think you're right. And Ronnie, what I respected so much about your book, Monsterland, is the stories you told about Massachusetts and sort of the greater New England area of how strange these stories can be when it comes to UFOs or Bigfoot or the supernatural. The right. stranger the story and the less prototypical, for me, that screams authenticity. Or just, you know, <laughs> these people are extremely good sure. at making stuff up, but it is the more out there stories that both intrigue me and lead me down paths where I'm like, I, I think there's something to this. It's not the same damn big-headed gray alien with big black eyes story I've heard a million Times so yeah what do you make of it what what do you think Bigfoot could be Ronnie you know uh, for me uh, I share Bryce's uh, similar kind of um, position and it's also been strengthened not only from this expedition uh, but also from my own personal experiences writing the book Monsterland and then I just came out with the second one too where there is a spiritual aspect to what is happening I think in in all of reality but. Uh, when the Native Americans talk about Sasquatch having one foot in the physical realm and another in the spiritual realm, mm -hmm. what we would consider maybe a dimension, right, thing, uh, it starts to explain a lot of reasons why we don't have a body or bones. But it also, you know, these strange stories that people have that they experience where they're dematerializing, you know, things like this. Uh, a lot of researchers, Bigfoot researchers that have been doing this for 40, 50 years have come to the conclusion that there is something very paranormal about, about Bigfoot that, you know, these, they're, they are physical. They're leaving tracks. They're leaving hair. They're, they're getting picked up on, um, trail cams and thermals and different other cameras and other evidence is, is proving that they're there. And for me, it was a, a very John Keel experience where, I started digging into this stuff and things started happening and I started experiencing the stranger side of Sasquatch with the orbs, with the shadow people, the, the paranormal kind of aspect of it in the woods, in and around my house, you know, unexplainable things that there was, it was just not a coincidence that it was happening at the same time. All this, all the Bigfoot stuff was kind of going on. So. For me, there is something physical, but there is something else that's happening that I think we're starting to understand, and I think it lies within 
quantum physics and quantum mechanics to really comprehend what is happening, what is what is going on. Interesting. Well, you, you mentioned John Keel, and that kind of uh, dovetails into something I want to talk to you guys about. Um, John Keel plays a big part in this independent web series, Hellier, by the uh, Planet Weird crew. Bryce, I know you're quite familiar with these with this. Uh, web series. And um, it seems that things like this, Hellier, or um, in general, there's been a new wave of paranormal-themed television shows, whether it's UFOs, Ghost Hunters is coming back, um, um, things like Hellier, and now Expedition Bigfoot. What do you guys think brings about these waves of, you know, paranormal-themed television shows? And do you think that they help or hurt the topics, or is it a little of both? Bryce, what do you think? Well, first of all, I just watched my press screener of Hellier Season 2, the first three episodes last night, and so I'm still abuzz uh, <laughs> from after having just <laughs> used that. Look, you know, when those guys came out with the first season of, of Hellier, I mean, it's like they really upped the ante on what paranormal television could be. It was a, it was a game changer for me. And, uh, and, and I think the reason why is that, uh, for me, when you experience a synchronicity, it's, it's something that's hard to ignore. You kind of feel it in your gut and it leads you down what I like to call these rabbit holes where, where you start to uncover, you know, more things and more details and, more synchronicities that that sort of help explain what's going on. I, look, I think we're at a, I think we're at a point in time where you know we live in a world where most of our scientists and most of our materialists like to tell us that we've got it all wrapped up. You know, we we know what everything is. We know how the forces of nature work. You know, we know we know chemistry. We know biology. And, uh, and, and that all these things that people are experiencing that are unexplained are just hallucinations of the mind or, uh, created from watching too many, um, alien movies, which I think is just complete bunk. Um, but we're also at a, at a point in time where, you know, new scientific endeavors are, are taking place and, and, you know, quantum mechanics is starting to reveal, uh, to a good majority of, of the people in science that the observer plays a role in reality. And what that means is things are and can be way stranger than they appear. Absolutely. I mean, we, we are entering a whole new world of consciousness, I think, when it comes to these topics. And, and yeah, what role do we play in all that? It's not just looking up and seeing a UFO or, you know, catching a glimpse of a Sasquatch in the woods. Like, we, we are a bigger part of this than I think... uh we we let ourselves be so ronnie i gotta ask you as well when it comes to getting these yeah. topics out to the mainstream you did bring up the whole navy story and the secret pentagon ufo program all the stuff tom DeLong's mm -hmm. doing which um we are extremely thankful for in the ufo world no matter what you think of the work he's Absolutely. actually done he has brought ufos to the mainstream in a way that none of us ever have been able to do so what do you think about these topics being on television and how it's uh, sort of how it's treated in the, I, I guess, the world of entertainment? It is a struggle, I would assume. It, you know, I think what uh, what's happening is that there is an appetite with millennials for this subject matter, conspiracies, paranormal. There is an interest. There is, a, a, I think, a curious spirit that has kind of unified itself 
that we're starting to see that there is a desire for this type of content. They want to um, devour this stuff. Look at what's happened with Stranger Things. Um, Finding Bigfoot did a great job of bringing awareness to the subject and um, getting people interested in it. So I think that it serves a purpose. Um, there are some other shows that can possibly do some damage, you know, to, to the subject matter too, where you're not going to take it as seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the fusion of science, the, the fusion of spirit science and these other things and other, uh, like, like we're, Bryce and I are talking about with quantum mechanics and quantum physics, there, there is a, there's a, a turning point, a tipping point that's happening now with a lot of things. And I think Bigfoot is, is a part of that, that curiosity that people want the answers. You know, the, uh, Zapruder film is the most analyzed film ever, right? And the second to that is the Patterson-Gimlin film. Mm-hmm. So, and it still withstood the tan of, stand of uh, you know, this time period. But I think that there's just this this appetite for it that we're going to see more and more um, content being created. There's a reason why Ancient Aliens has been on for 14 seasons, you know? <laughs> Also, doesn't it just feel like anti-establishment? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It makes you feel like an outlier. You know what I mean? It was totally. like, uh, fuck that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure it out for myself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. look, I'm gonna look into reality myself. You know, history is up for grabs. You know, um, yeah. Just because we read it in our social studies or history books in grade school doesn't mean it's, it actually happened that way. You know, and mm-hmm. I think, I think more people are starting to discover that archaeologists, scientists. You know, so uh, reality question the answers. Yes. You know, you got to yes. question you got to question the authority and what they're telling us. And, you know, all of it's up for grabs. So especially with the the invent of the Internet, I mean, you literally have a tool that you can go explore not only your world, but reality in itself, but just at the at, at the touch of a button. It is so true. We live in an age now where anyone be- can become an investigator, a researcher, a, a journalist, a-, a scientist. Like, this can all be done uh, together with people all over the world. And I think that's what's most important is when you get the topic of Bigfoot out to the public, out to the mainstream in the way that you guys are trying to do, that's going to bring in people of all walks of life, whether they're zoologists, cryptozoologists, uh, paleontologists, historians, whatever. It's going to bring new people into the field to then give their ideas. And that discourse is what's going to move us forward, I think, in all of these topics, is no longer being exclusive and letting everyone in and share a uh, seat at the table, I guess. For sure. You know, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to say something, too, because I, I, I've seen it on both ends. I've had the, the luxury of kind of living in both worlds, right? Living in the UFO kind of community, living in the Bigfoot community. And you see the... Uh, the egos and the rivalries and these kind of like silos and these cliques and what I see happening. And I've seen it now the past couple of years and more is more and more researchers are collaborating. They're working together. You mentioned Cheryl Costa had a privilege of meeting her this year at the new England UFO uh, conference. And, you know, I think that unified that kind of spirit, that collaboration where people are like, Hey, let's, you know, uh, when, the whole Bigfoot thing kind of emerged. My my frustration lied within, you know, the the infighting, but then also I'm not gonna tell you where my hot spot is because I don't want you to damage it, whatever. But right. we're also we're also not, I think, helping to corroborate sightings as well, because someone could easily come out and say, Hey, I've had this experience here and then you find out the next door neighbor's been having it for thirty years 
and has been seeing these things coming in and out through his cornfield and, you know, strange lights over his house every other Wednesday, you know, just this kind of stuff that I think when we start communicating, we start sharing, we start understanding. And, and Bryce mentioned it earlier, you start seeing the patterns between all of these different encounters, the strangeness that kind of helps thread and tie them all together. You start seeing that and that kind of hel also helps to determine which ones are real and which ones are kind of made up or, or kind of told to you to kind of gain some kind of access. They want to be in your book or on your podcast. But when you interview an 85-year-old guy who's had experiences that he's telling you that he hasn't told anyone in 34 years, there's some realness, there's some authenticity behind that that you kind of sit up and go, wow, this is really happening. That is a very, very good point. When you're actually out there talking to these people face-to-face -face and you see how they react as they're recalling a story, uh, it's a whole different ballgame than hearing it or reading it in an article or even on television. So, Ronnie, I couldn't agree with you more on that. In terms of, like, that boots-on-the-ground feel, uh, are there any stories... You know, there's always those behind-the-scenes stories when these TV shows are being made, but um, maybe something that really sticks out as being your favorite part of the entire experience. Bryce, how about you? Look, when when we sat down and, and kind of went over how this show could be laid out and should be laid out, we, we plotted it, but we had no idea what we would encounter. Um, and all the stuff that came up, all the surprises, all the things that we were able to uncover were just as shocking to me as they will be to, to audience members. So, I mean, to be, I, we didn't expect to find what we found, you know, and, and I mean, you know, you sort of, you sort of want that as you set out on, on an expedition like this, but, but man, did we get lucky. Mm. And that was the biggest, that was the biggest surprise. And the, the biggest joy for me was all the stuff that we were able to uncover. Uh, I'm dying over here because <laughs> Bryce is just, I'm like, ah, uh, it, it's. <laughs> I know you want to so, get into specifics, but. Uh, <laughs> he's so right, though. He's so right. Um, I think people are going to be shocked to see what we got. And when I said earlier on the podcast, I said, you know, the experience was magical. Meeting everybody is, is amazing. And like I said, we're, we're talking all the time. But it was something that we had hoped we were going to get some evidence, something that we're going to come out of here and feel like this wasn't a uh, a failure. You know, this was we made some kind of significant contribution to the search. And I am proud and happy to say that we did have some things that we just did not expect that were just freaking awesome. And I can't wait to share it with, with the, the world, really. And that being said, too, Ryan, I mean, the more than anything it was the it was the uh friendships that i think we made i mean ronnie i'll tell you we've been we've been group texting now ever since we started this thing and it, it yeah <laughs> it, we've developed a a friendship that 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 i think uh it, that's been amazing is being being able to uh you know you know how this field is and these subjects get there's not a few, there's there's only so many people you can talk to about this stuff yeah, so when correct. you find these like-minded individuals you you hold them close to your heart you know that's a really good point you know there there's times where i'm you know talking to a friend or someone or i, I get a new email from someone who said you know they it was a wraith time being taken aboard a craft and 
brought somewhere. And I just sit in those moments and I'm like, what, what is my life? Like I, I never saw it going this way, but the people I've met along the way, the stories I've heard. And I think these, these kindred spirits we find with these topics, uh, we, we can, we can call them family. We can call them friends. They're more than just colleagues. And I think more than anything, if we don't find answers to these phenomena, we've at least met people along the way who we can take that journey with. And, you know, I, for me, that's what life is about. So whether or not yeah, you guys no found the, the answer to what Bigfoot is or isn't doesn't even really matter to me. I can hear the excitement in your voices of what you discovered. And I honestly, I can't wait to see what you guys came up with. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love, I know it's, I, I, I don't want it to sound a little cheesy, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the communities that we create are, are so important and they're a big reason why I started my podcast. And look, all three of us have in common, you know, we all do podcasts. So, you know, Ronnie talked about going into that library and, and pulling out that Bigfoot book or that alien book. And, and that's really what started it for me, too. And it just opens up this whole new world. And I think I think podcasts can do that now, too. You know, they can really be a gateway into uh, into mystery and to the unexplored. And I and I think that's what we're you know, at least for me, that's part of what I'm trying to achieve by by embracing the community and reaching out to people who are interested in this stuff because once you once you get hooked on this on this subjects on these subjects you find that that it just brings a new sort of spark to your life it it really brings a sense of the divine a sense of mystery and uh and a purpose to your life that i think that most people might be a mess with, you know? Oh, such a good point. There's times I'm at work doing my mundane routine job, and I'm just thinking of what's to come when I get home. You know, what email am I going to open up? What documentary am I going to watch? Who am I going to hear from? And what story am I going to now be a part of? So I know that feeling well, man. It shakes your reality. It, it, it changes things, and it makes it all worth it. Amen. Well, guys, where can we find your personal work, Bryce, you got the podcast and everything going on. Where can we find out more about that? So, yeah, you can just go to uh, Bigfoot uh, on Instagram. Uh, we do a lot of posting, and that's at Bigfoot Collectors Club. We're on Twitter at Bigfoot Pod. And, you know, listen to our podcast wherever you get podcasts available. But more importantly, watch the premiere of Expedition Bigfoot on December 8th at 10, 9 central on the travel channel. You will not regret it. Absolutely. Ronnie, what do you got for us, man? Where can we find out more of what you're up to? Absolutely. Uh, so you go to my website, it's Ronnie LeBlanc, R-O-N-N-Y-L-E-B-L-A-N-C.com. I have the podcast, Monsterland Pod. We're on social. We're on iTunes, where we can find podcasts. Uh, you can also get my book, Monsterland uh, Encounters with Bigfoot, Orange Orbs, UFOs. And I have a new book that just came out, which is part two, which is about shamans, uh, synchronicity and Sasquatch and high strangeness. And yeah, the December 8th, Sunday night, I can't wait, 10 o'clock, the premiere of Expedition Bigfoot on Travel Channel and Travel Channel Go. And guys, be sure to follow both these guys on Twitter and use the hashtag TRVLBigfoot and tweet to them while you're watching it. Let them know what you think about this. I'm going to be doing it. Um, you guys are going to get probably... 
pretty uh, sick of me by the time the final episode <laughs> airs. But um, I'm really looking forward to this. As a ufologist, I've never been more excited to watch a show about Bigfoot. So you did oh, something right awesome. already. That's good. <laughs> so, guys, I can't thank you enough, Bryce and Ronnie, for coming on Somewhere in the Skies today. Hey, oh, thanks for thank having us, man. man. It was our pleasure. Same. Appreciate it. That's it for this week's episode. Again, be sure to check out the premiere of Expedition Bigfoot, Sunday, December 8th on the Travel Channel. Check your local listings for times and stations. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review Somewhere in the Skies on Apple Podcasts, your Android apps, or wherever you get the show. Send me a screenshot of your review, and I'll send you an official Somewhere in the Skies sticker. For the entire month of December, all profits on merch sales will go directly to the Women's Refugee Commission. Help represent the show in style and help an amazing cause. All different designs and items are available right now. So be sure to visit teepublic.com. That's teepublic.com and search for the Somewhere in the Skies store. You can follow us on Twitter at Somewhere Skies and Instagram at Somewhere Skies Pod. Thank you, as always, to the E1 Podcast Network, but especially thanks to you for listening. I'll see you here next week, and remember, keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.